God bless you. God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S. N. Crockett Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship. Coming to you this Friday evening with our weekly program, The Truth of the Gospel. The Truth of the Gospel. Glad you could join us. We thank God. We pray that you had a prayerful and prosperous week as we look forward to this weekend. We're going to continue our, our um, study, Jesus and liars, Jesus and liars, Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus and liars. We're going to talk about a couple of passages of scripture tonight. And then Lord willing, we'll pick up where we leave off. We'll pick off, uh, we'll pick up um, on Sunday morning. Tonight we want to talk about John chapter 8, a couple of verses. And then uh, if possible, 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's also a passage in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we may not get a chance to look at all of them tonight. But if we don't look at uh, whatever we don't look at tonight, we'll look at Sunday morning. I did promise that we would look at the uh, parable of the tares, because within the parable, uh, to understand the parable of the tares, you understand the malignant work of Satan. God does good; Satan comes behind it, and uh, not only tries to counterfeit it, but tries to destroy it. So, in the parable of the tares, which we'll talk about in a minute. We can see the lie, the malignant work of Satan, that liar. Let us pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you just for the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior, we bless you. We thank you. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you. We just ask that you go before us in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We ask that uh, you continue to open the eyes of our understanding, that you open the eyes of the understanding of all, Lord, who sincerely desire to serve you through the blessed name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion. We pray that through, through this preaching and teaching and preaching and teaching all over the world, that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit would be manifested. We bless you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord. Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. By his, by his righteous name we pray. Amen. So, Jesus is having this conflict with his critics in John chapter 8. Remember, he uh, forgave the woman who had been taken in adultery and uh, his critics uh, are hounding, are hounding him as as always, and they uh, they said to him, "Abraham is our father." Jesus said, "If you were Abraham's children, you would do the deeds of Abraham," which, of course, mostly included believing in that Jesus is the Messiah. And then Jesus said, "You are doing the deeds of your father." And uh, they said to him, "We were not born of fornication." We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Then he gives the reason that they couldn't hear his word. He says, the reason you can't hear my word is because you are of your father, the devil. I said Jesus couldn't pastor most churches today because he wasn't politically correct. <clears throat> These same unbelieving Jews who were Jews biologically, they were children of Abraham. They were children of the covenant. Uh, they were the seed of Isaac. But he, in, the, in the revelation, he called them the synagogue of Satan. Ooh. The synagogue of Satan. Glory to the Lamb of God. Because they were Jews biologically, but spiritually they were not. They were, they were his enemies. They were enemies of the cross. He says you're of your father the devil, meaning you're living a lie. You're, he even told them, he said, I know Abraham is your father, but you seek to kill me, one who came to you know, reveal the truth of God to you, etc., he said, you're of your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's talking about Satan. Remember, Jesus knows Satan well. He, Jesus knows Satan when he was Lucifer, son of the morning, the anointed cherub. Cherub are the highest ranking angels, the anointed cherub that cover it. It is said this, that Lucifer guarded the very throne of God. Hallelujah. And then one day he got a bad case of the big head and said, I will ascend above the stars of heaven. I will be like the most high. And he got a bad case of the big head and God dropped, kicked him out of heaven. And he was Lucifer then. He kicked him into the earthly realm. And now he's Satan, the devil, Diablos, the accuser of the brethren, the enemy of our soul. And he said, uh, you're of your father, the devil. These are very strong words. You are of your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He's calling them children of the devil. Oh, God. Because he said, you, you, want to, you want to kill me and claim that you're doing God a favor. Remember when before Paul got saved, he was having Christians hauled in as though he was doing God a favor. Jesus had prophesied that this would happen. So, Having laid the foundation in John chapter 8, where Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. I want to go to the parable of the tares, the wheat and tares. I promised last week that we would uh, look at the parable of the tares. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. The parable of the sower is also important and um, maybe we'll talk about that another day but tonight I want to talk about the parable of the tares if you look in Matthew chapter 13 you've got a series of parables uh, kingdom parables Matthew 13 and among the kingdom parables is the parable of the wheat and the tares probably my favorite terrible um, terrible Lord probably my favorite parable Jesus presented another parable to them. This is very important that you hear this. The kingdom of heaven may be compared. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
Now, it's very important that you remember that. There's nothing wrong with the man. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came. Do you hear that? His enemy came and sowed tares, or you could say um, um, you could say weeds if you want to. He sowed tares among the wheat. Watch this, and went away. The, I think the King James says went his way. Do you hear the? Do you see the malignant working of Satan? God, because Jesus is going to say later the 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 uh, <clears throat> the king. He's going to say the um, the sower is the son of man. He's going to say that the seed is the word of God. He's going to say the field is the world. Then he's going to say the, the, uh, the wheat are the children of the, of the kingdom. Then he's going to say the tares are the children of the evil one. Glory to the Lamb of God. Let me, let, let me, let me read it one more time. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came. Satan comes behind the work of God. We see it all throughout history. Satan comes, be, comes behind the working of God. <clears throat> and tries to corrupt what God has done. And one way he tries to corrupt it is by counterfeiting it. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Watch this. How then does it have tares? You see, the, the workers don't know. They don't have that wisdom, that discernment. But the Lord of the harvest, if you will, he had all the wisdom and discernment. He said, oh, I know how it happened. He said, an enemy has done this. In their zeal, the slaves of the king, of the, of the sower, the, the, the slaves of the, of the owner said, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Meaning gather the tares, right? He said, no, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. See, the owner has all this wisdom. Not only does he have wisdom to know that to gather up the tares would, would be disruptive to the wheat, he also has uh, infinite patience. He says, nope. He says, although the enemy did this, although the enemy sowed tares, although the enemy sowed tares, he said, he said, allow he said, allow both to grow together mm -hmm. until the harvest. The harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will the say. Time the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers. Now he's going to explain later, as I'll show you later, that he's going to say the reapers are the angels. And if you look in the book of Revelation, especially in your later chapters, we see the Lord sending angels the out chapters. to do his. We so we see the Lord sending angels. We see the Lord sending angels out to do His will, especially to reap the um, the harvest of the world and to you know to to 
bring in the children of the kingdom into their inheritance and also to destroy everything that uh, Satan has control of. We see that in the book of Revelation. Uh, if you read in Revelation, especially starting in chapter 6, where we see the, the uh, Lord Jesus, resurrected Jesus, he opens up these seals, the seven seals. Remember, he's the only one who can open them. And then we see, we see the judgments of, and the woe pronounced by God. All right, so he says, Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest... I will say to the reapers, which are the angels, as he'll, he'll, he'll make that point later, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. And so the Lord was telling these parables, and then after he had sent the multitude away, his disciples said to him, see if I can find it, let's see. Uh, then he left the crowds, verse 36 of chapter 13 of Matthew. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. That, that, that parable, for some reason, piqued their interest, their, their attention. As, I, as I've said, it's, it's my favorite parable. The parable of the tares. Then the Lord Jesus says, not, not a problem. I'll explain it to you. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That would be Jesus. He's the son of man. There were prophets in the Old Testament who were called son of man, Ezekiel, etc. But Jesus is the epitome of the son of man. He is the God man. Paul called him the man Christ Jesus. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, right? He says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. The field is not the church. Because some people have used this parable to try to say that anything should be allowed to go on in the church because of the parable of the tares and the Lord said, let both grow together, etc., the field, he didn't say the field is the church. He said the field is the world. Now, contained within the world is the church. I get that part. But the Lord Jesus said the field is the world, not the church. The Lord is allowing good and evil to grow together. A lot of people don't understand, well, why did God allow this to happen? And why did, you know, where is God, et cetera? We, we, hear, we often hear that, especially in the case of a national or sometimes individual tragedy. Uh, why, you know, Adolf Hitler, you know, the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust, etc. But the Bible says right here that, that, that God, for his own reason, his own purpose, his own ultimate glory, he's allowing good and evil to grow together. Do we understand it? Not, not, no, we don't, not entirely. But those of us who know the Lord, we trust in God's integrity. And we know that if God is allowing good and evil to grow together, he must have his reason. And those people who study the Bible and who love the Lord, we know that God has, has an ultimate reason for this. It's for his glory. And we have to leave it at that, that God is allowing good and evil to grow together. And that it, at some point, he's going to take the evil and the good and separate them 
He's gonna he's gonna reward the good, the children of the kingdom, and he's gonna destroy the evil, the children of the devil. And he's gonna eventually destroy the devil. The Bible says in Revelation, the devil and his angels will be eventually confined to the lake of fire. But people who don't know the word of God, they don't know that. And they're, oh, where's God? Where was God when, you know, the Titanic sank or when Hitler uh, rose to power or, you know, some other tyrant, some other despot, some other tyrant, some other despot. Where was, you know, where was the Lord, etc. So let's go back to the explanation of the tares. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. Again, the field is not the church. The field is the world. But the church is within the world. So I realized that to a certain extent, there is some application to the church with this parable. But he didn't say. Matter of fact, there, there was no revelation of the church at this time. The revelation of the church came along later uh, with the apostles, uh, especially the apostle Paul the revelation of the mystery of the church, although Jesus did make a passing reference to it in Matthew, this same gospel, upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the church had not been revealed yet here um, pre-Calvary. But he says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Watch this. As for the good seed, remember the, the sower sows the good seed, right? As for the good seed, they, these are the sons of the kingdom. So the good seed would be the children of the kingdom. The good seed would be those who love God. The good seed would be those who have been born again, Jew and Gentile. The good seed would be those who follow Jesus Christ wherever he goes, who acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised the Messiah, the one promised by the prophets. The good seed. The field is the world. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. Now listen to this, because a lot of people don't believe this exists. But if Jesus says something is so, it is so. Whether we want to believe it or not. He said the tares are the children of the evil one. The People want to believe we're all children of God. We, we are all children of God by creation. God created us you know, in the beginning God created all things by Jesus Christ, etc. Nothing was made without him that was made. We understand that. But we are not all children of God, spiritually speaking. In order to be a child of God, spiritually speaking, you have to be in covenant with God through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We are all children of God by creation because God created us. We are not all children of God as far as being in covenant with God. The Bible says in Romans, if anybody has not the spirit of God, meaning the Holy Spirit, he's none of his. He doesn't belong to the Lord as far as being in covenant with the Lord. So look what the, look what the Lord Jesus said, said right here. He said, that, he said the tares, or the weeds, if you will, the tares are the sons of the evil one. Uh, I could make the point that in Ephesians, Paul said that the Lord quickened us. We were dead in trespasses and sins. There was a time we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. So at one time, anybody who was saved, who at one time, anybody who was not saved, including yours truly, 
I was a child of the devil. Now, biologically, I'm, I'm my parents' child. But spiritually speaking, I was a child of the devil because I was outside of the covenant of God. I had not accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I didn't accept him as my Lord and Savior until May 20th, 1979. So I was not a child of the Lord. I was not a child of God, a child of the King, if you will, until I trusted in Jesus, until I believed that he uh, died on the cross for my sins and that God bodily raised him from the dead. I was a child of the evil one. You don't have to believe that, but the Bible is, is true. The Bible says that there are children of the evil one. Listen to this. And the enemy who sowed the tares is the devil. There are people who don't believe there's a devil and that he's just some figment of a, some medieval artist's imagination or some theological, um, you know, uh, um, um, uh, interpretation. No, there's a literal devil. There's a literal devil. Jesus said, the one who sowed the tares is the devil. He is literal. He does exist. The Bible says he has angels. The Bible says he has apostles. There are apostles of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Please don't take my word for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Satan has apostles. Jesus, Paul said that his apostles have transformed themselves, transformed themselves into angels of light to go out and deceive. You, you, have, a, you, have, you have satanic apostles even in pulpits today. Highly respected pulpits today. He said, the children, he said, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Then he said, and listen, this, this is where we get into the um, a, a book of Revelation, etc. He said, the harvest is the end of the age. The harvest is the end of the age. That, that's why, remember the patience of the Lord of the harvest? He said, nope, let the, let the wheat and the tares grow together. That shows the infinite patience of God. Because his, 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 his disciples, his slaves, his servants wanted to pull up the tares. Lord, do you want us to go pull up the tares? He said, no, don't do that. For if you do that, you'll, 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 you'll disrupt the uh, wheat also. You'll, you'll pull up the wheat also. Nope. He said, leave them alone. He said, let both grow together until the end of the harvest. So he says, and the enemy who sold them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age. Some Bibles, like your older King James Bibles, will say the end of the world. But that word should be translated, the Greek word is the cosmos, the end of the cosmos, the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. So again, when you start reading like in Revelation, beginning at chapter 6 and running through chapter uh, 19 or so when we see the second coming of Jesus we see angels performing uh, sending plagues onto the earth etc and 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 uh, uh, gathering the children of God uh, especially I believe the church has already been raptured by the time we get past Revelation chapter uh, um, 3 but then you still have a Gentile remnant on the earth and you have the nation of Israel that God has to redeem that's why Jesus said before he was crucified, he said to the Jews, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so one day when, when Israel is, is facing, uh, is on the brink of destruction, 
The only thing that would save Israel would not be military weaponry, but it would be the coming of our second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He will come and he will save Israel from her enemies, what we call Armageddon, etc. And so we see that played out in Revelation. So just as the tares are gathered up, remember now the our title of our lesson is Satan, Jesus and Liars. Jesus and Liars. And the chief liar is Satan. Jesus said in John 8, 44, the passage we read before we came to the parable of the tares, Jesus said to the Jews who didn't believe in him, he said, you're of your father, the devil. I know you're, you're dressed in religious garb and you use religious terminology and you have religious titles and you sit in the synagogue. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 23, he devoted that whole 23rd chapter of Matthew, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. He said the scribes and the Pharisees, he said they sit in Moses' seat. He said, okay, he said, he said, whatsoever therefore they command you to do, do it. But he said, don't follow them because they're a bunch of hypocrites. He said they sit in Moses' seat, meaning as lawgiver. As the, they, sit, they sit in those seats of authority. They sit in those seats of authority. But they've taken the, the word of God and they've added their own traditions what's called the Mishnah. They took the word of God, Jesus said, and made it none of, of none effect because they added their own traditions. We need this too. Yeah, I've already got one. I've got a Bible already. They added their own traditions. He said they sit in Moses' seat, so you have to respect the fact that they sit in these positions of authority. But he said, but they're not obeying God. So going back to the parable of the tares, he said, the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Then he says, here, here we're talking about the harvest of the world. He said, the Son of Man will send forth, the Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. Those who insist on living a lie. Go play. Go on, go play. Those who insist on living a lie. He says, the son of man would get, send forth his angels and they would gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks. And those who commit, the King James would say iniquity. But this Bible here, the NASB says lawlessness, same thing. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire. Jesus, he was talking about final judgment. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. That would be you and me. If we've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will shine forth in the kingdom of God. We will shine forth eternally in the kingdom of God. Right now, the Lord is letting good and evil grow together. You know, we, we don't quite understand it. It's not the way we would do it, but it's not our kingdom. We're not the king. We're the servants. The king doesn't always act in ways that the servants understand. Just like your children don't, you don't always act in ways that your children understand. Right? The owner of something doesn't always act in ways that those who are non-owners understand. The Lord does not always act in ways we understand. That's why he's the Lord and we're not. His ways, he said, are not my, our ways. 
He doesn't, he doesn't have to, he doesn't, the Lord doesn't have to explain everything to us because we are his servants. We are the sheep of his pasture. Glory to the Lamb of God. We are the sheep of his pasture. Sometimes we, we, we get to thinking that God has to explain everything to us and give us a, uh, a blow-by-blow blow, um, accounting of everything that he does and everything he plans to do. No, that do doesn't work that way. That's why he's Lord. He's sovereign. Sovereign means he's Lord and we're not. He's God and we're not. He's not going to explain everything to us. There are things happening in the world that have happened in the world that we will never understand until that time when we have uh, you know, perfect understanding of things. Right now, we're, we're not going to have understanding of certain things. Uh, otherwise, why would the Bible say trust in the Lord? Trust in the Lord means there are things that we're not going to understand right now. We don't, we don't understand. But the more we get into God's word, the more we have confidence in God's integrity. And we don't have to, you know, have a blow-by-blow blow accounting of every detail. If you trust in the integrity of God, you'll trust that he knows what he's doing. Right? If you're, if you're in the car with somebody and you trust that person, you, you trust that person knows how to drive. And you trust that person uh, knows where he or she is going. Especially if he or she has a GPS uh, on the phone or on the car. Well, the Holy Spirit is our GPS. He's leading us and guiding us. Jesus said in the all truth. Now, why did Jesus say in the all truth? Because Jesus knows that Satan rules the realm of the earth. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Satan rules the realm of the earth. He's, he's still ruling. He was defeated at the cross, but his final destruction, his final defeat is not yet evident. Jesus defeated G, uh, Satan at the cross made an open show of him, defeated him at Calvary. But his final defeat is not yet evident. It's kind of like a football game. A team can be up 50 to nothing, but the game still has to be played out. They don't stop the game because the team is up 50 to nothing. They still have to play out the game. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. But the game, if you will, if I can put the word game in quotes, the game still has to be played. And so Satan, uh, his defeat is evident because the word of God says it is. But people who don't know the Lord and don't know God's word, even though they may have religion and may go to church or synagogue or temple or mosque, if they don't know what the word of God says, they don't know what's going on. They're, they're thinking, you know, what's going on here? Where is God? You know, where was God when such and such and such happened? As though God has to, you know, give us an account of everything. As though he's our servant. No, we're his servant. Amen. All right, so the parable of the tares. That's, that's probably my favorite parable. Once again, the parable of the tares shows that God is righteous. And his children are righteous. But they're also children of the devil. And the righteous and the wicked are growing together. And they shall grow together until such time that the Lord says it's time to separate the uh, wheat from the tares. John the Baptist touched on this issue. If you remember when John the Baptist first came on the scene, if you go to Matthew chapter 3, let me, let me read it to you. If you go to Matthew chapter 3, 
when John the Baptist was uh, performing his ministry, remember John's purpose was to introduce Jesus to the children of Israel so that Jesus could offer the children of Israel the kingdom. That's probably why John is called the greatest of all prophets. He didn't have 66 chapters like um, Isaiah. Uh, 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 he didn't have, uh, you know, 52 chapters or whatever, 48 chapters like Ezekiel or 52 chapters like Jeremiah. But he's called the greatest of all prophets, probably because it was John who introduced Jesus. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. It was John who introduced Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Leave that alone because you're gonna you're gonna make that string snap and it's gonna pop it's gonna pop you in your face. So let me read what John said. John is gonna make actually John is gonna kind of make a an allusion a reference, kind of a passing reference to the parable of the wheat and the tares. Listen to what John said in, 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 in Matthew chapter 3. Keep your mind on the parable of the wheat and the tares just for a second. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's about to introduce Jesus. And Jesus is going to offer the kingdom to the Jews. And the Jews are going to say, we will not have this man to rule over us. And they rejected Jesus and turned Jesus over to the Romans. And then the Romans, of course, crucified him. And, of course, it was all in God's plan. Go back. Go, go back. Go, go back. This is what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist, of course, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. When a king was about to come into town, there would be people who would go before the king and they would clear out the road. They would clear out all the garbage, all the debris. They would clear out and make a straight path in the road. That was their job before the king would ride into town, so to speak. But that's, that was John the Baptist's job. But notice what, what happens here. And the same John had his raiment or his clothing of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his go uh, and a leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. They were baptized of John and Jordan, confessing their sins. Now watch this. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, keep your mind on the parable of the wheat and tares. He said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. He called them a generation of vipers. <laughs> Jesus called them in Revelation, dealing with the church at Smyrna, he called them the synagogue of Satan. Glory to the Lamb of God, such language. John said, you generation of vipers. Jesus said, you synagogue of Satan. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Watch this. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Bring evidence of a changed life. Now watch this. Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. In other words, John the Baptist was saying to these Jews, the same thing Jesus said. Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's children. Biologically speaking, I, I, I know you're Abraham's children. I know you're of the, of, the, of the tribes. But you seek to kill me, which means you are not 
truly, spiritually speaking, children of God. Because if you were truly children of God, you wouldn't. Jesus said you wouldn't be seeking to kill me. The fact that you're trying to kill me means you're children of the devil. Notice what John the Baptist says. Again, keep your mind on the parable of the, of the wheat and the tares. Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. In other words, your Jewishness will not be enough. You're going to have to have a relationship with Yeshua Hamashiach, Joshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Maybe that's an illusion in the Old Testament. God said to Moses, I'm going to destroy them all. I'll raise up another nation. And, and then Moses would make intercession and then God would change his mind and not destroy the children of Israel. That's, that's kind of an allusion to that. Now, now watch this. Remember now the wheat and the tares, right? The good are the wheat. That would be you if you if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The tares are the are the wicked. Now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. See, God knows if you're going to kill something evil, you gotta you gotta cut it off at the roots. <laughs> you don't cut it at the fruit. You cut it at the root. Glory <laughs> to God. He says the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit. Every, in other words, he's saying there's wheat, there's tares. Jesus said the wheat are the children of the king, the children of the, of the, of the most high, if you will. He said the tares are the children of the wicked one. He says every tree that does not bring forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Now go back to the parable of the wheat and the tares. What did the Lord say would happen? He said, let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will say to the reapers, which are the angels, first gather the tares into bundles. Yeah, I always make the point that God has a bundle plan. <laughs> you know how AT&T has a bundle plan and Sprint and T-Mobile. They have a bundle plan. God has a bundle plan. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, right? He says, he says, uh, and now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, now keep your mind on the wheat and the tares whose fan is in his hand, talking about Jesus, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. When you purge something, what do you do? You separate the undesirable element from the desirable element. When you purge, he will thoroughly purge his floor. He will gather his wheat into the garner. Some Bibles might say barn. This is the, this Bible right here, the one my grandson handed to me. This is the King James Version. He will gather the wheat into his garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So if you, if you compare that to the parable of the wheat and the tares, you see similarities. You see the righteous uh, accepted by God, exalted by God, and you see the unrighteous who end up in a very bad place. The unrighteous are those who insist on loving and living a lie. Now listen to what I'm going to say to you here. I'm going to show you, I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you from uh, 
2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen very carefully what I'm going to say to you. And then uh, I'll read maybe one more passage after that and then we'll close. Listen very carefully. Against Jesus and liars. See, Satan is a lie and he, he deceives the world into following his lies and living his lie. Jesus again, if you go, if Jesus called those unbelieving Jews in the book of Revelation, he called them the synagogue of Satan. That those are that's strong. I would, you know, I'm kind of bold, but I would, I would, I would never say, <laughs> I would, I would never say something like that. The synagogue, he called them the synagogue of Satan. Jesus, read this in Revelation. He was talking to the church at Smyrna. I believe he mentioned it one more time. He mentioned it to the church at Philadelphia which is in um, Revelation chapter 3. But he called the unbelieving Jews who were persecuting his people, he called them this. I know those who, who say they are Jews, but are not. They are the synagogue of Satan, and they lie. That's powerful. Glory to the Lamb of God. That's why I always say Jesus couldn't pastor most churches today. He couldn't because he, he, he's... he's there was a, a, a survey, I've mentioned this several times, there was a survey, and in the survey, over 50% of pastors said that they don't preach on certain subjects, hot-button subjects, like gay marriage and abortion and things, because they didn't want to offend anybody. It's, it, was, it was a research, Barna Research. Over 50% of pastors don't preach on certain subjects hot-button subjects like homosexuality, uh, abortion, those type things because they didn't want to offend anybody. That's why I say Jesus or, or John the Apostle or John the Baptist, Paul, they couldn't pastor today. They would, they, they, the, the, the board would meet on Monday morning. <laughs> Imagine that. The board would meet on Monday morning. You got to go, Jesus. The, Jesus, Pastor Jesus, Sorry. You you offended some good good members of the, of the of the congregation. Good meaning that you know they they write the biggest checks. The synagogue of Satan, you generation of vipers. Read the writings of the apostle John, not the Gospel of John so much. Read his epistles, and it's not so much the person; it's the Holy Spirit in the person. Remember, the Bible says the Word of God is. It's quick, it's powerful, it's living, it's active. I love quick and powerful. I love the King James of that passage. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's why Satan fights so desperately to keep the word of God out of the pulpit, out of the church. Keep, he, he doesn't mind all these other programs. He'll, 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 he'll help promote those programs. But the word, the gospel, the, the truth of the gospel, if you will, he fights against. But listen to what Paul says here to the Corinthians. He says, uh, we, renounced, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, of shame, not walking in craftiness. He's, he's saying we have ministerial integrity. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Paul says, we're not handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, 
We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's the job of the preacher. The job of the prophet of the preacher is to commend himself or herself to your conscience. That's the, 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 the preacher cannot make you get saved. The preacher cannot make you accept Jesus. The job of the preacher, the job of the preacher is to commend, is to, to attempt to reach your conscience by the word of God. It is because the word of God is that seed. Remember Jesus talking about the seed of the sower. The preacher can't save you. The preacher can't get you saved. The preacher can't uh, condemn you to hell. It is the word of God. It is a, the Bible says it's quick and it's powerful. That's why there's another parable, and I, I, I won't go into it today, but maybe I'll go into it on Sunday. Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, and there were four types of, uh, of, of recipients of the seed. And the first recipient, Jesus said, the seed fell by the wayside. And when he compared, he said, he, he explained the parable. He said, that's when somebody hears the word. But because they hear it in a careless manner, Jesus said, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was stolen from their heart. You, you, do you hear that? He said, the sower is, again, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside. That when the gospel is preached, because the person, the, the, now the Bible says, does not, does not understand it. It almost sounds like it's, it's unfair, that God is being unfair. It says the person does not understand it. But in the proper language, it's saying that person is hearing with a, in a careless manner. And Satan comes immediately and takes the word off that person's heart. See, Satan fights the gospel. Satan, Satan fights the word. He doesn't fight all that other stuff that we do, all that other religious stuff. He doesn't care about that. He'll help you promote that. He fights the truth of the gospel. So let me, let me finish this Corinthians passage. It says, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now watch this. Listen to what I'm going to say right here. Listen, this is, this is very important here. Because you're, you're frustrated that you're, you're frustrated that your friends and relatives are not saved. And that they're not listening to the gospel. They're not listening to you. you you're trying to witness to your co-workers. You're trying to witness to them. Listen, Paul said, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. But King James says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost. Whose minds the God of this age, that Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. If our gospel is hid or veiled, it says in this version here, this is the New King James. Yeah, this is the New King James. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Paul is saying it's not because it's not being preached. He's saying it's being preached, but Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Satan has blinded. Out of 7 billion people in the world today, most are not saved. you got about 7 billion people in the world. Most are not saved. Satan, through false religion, false teachings, false doctrines, uh, 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 blindness, uh, um, unbelief, 
He has blinded the minds of unbelievers, whose minds the God, lowercase g-o-d, the God of this age, Satan, he has blinded the minds of those, watch this, who do not believe. Lord Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Some people ask Jesus back in the gospel. This is the work of God, but you believe on him whom he has sent. Simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple. How they shall, how shall they call upon him who uh, how how shall how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in what they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher simple but yet Satan fights and blinds the minds of unbelievers he's got black people thinking that the Bible is just a trick of the white man all oh, the white man white man wrote the Bible it's just a trick it's the white man 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 you know. You got, you got, you got, you got people believing, you know, attacking the word of God. I know this because I deal with this on social media, etc. Got people attacking God's word, attacking the integrity of God's word, and trying to justify uh, lascivious, uh, wicked, uh, lustful lifestyles. And the first thing they'll do, the second thing they'll do is attack me. The first thing they'll do is attack God's word, the, the veracity, the truthfulness of, of God's word. Oh. That's not what the Bible said. That's not what it meant. No, that's not what it meant. No, no. How do we know this? And they're attacking the, the truthfulness of God's word. Go ahead and attack me. But when you attack the word of God, unless you repent, you're in deep trouble. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Listen to that. Who do? Paul said, who do not? Remember, Paul would... Paul was in that company at one time. He was on. He was. He was. He was. He was having Christians persecuted, even killed. Remember, it was Paul. Remember when they stoned Deacon Stephen in Acts chapter seven? They laid their feet at Paul. They 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 laid their clothing at Paul's feet. So Paul knew what he was talking about from experience, because he had been one of the persecutors. He had been one of the chief persecutors, the chief persecutor of the church. And then he was on his, on the road to Damascus, Syria, and the Lord shown unto him from heaven the glory the shekinah glory of god shown unto him from heaven knocked him off his beast look saul saul why are you persecuting me jesus said who are you lord i'm jesus whom you're persecuting it's hard for you to kick against the prick lord what would you have me to do he he, he didn't he didn't fight against it like the woman at the well remember she fought against it about she, you know, she got into this argument with Jesus about gender politics and our fathers worshiped in Mount Gerizim and you Jews say in Jerusalem is where you ought to worship. Saul, who, 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 Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name because he had dual citizenship. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that's what we need to do today. Lord, what would you have me to do? Instead of fighting against the gospel. Instead of, the, you know, the white man, the white man, this and that, the white man, and the, and, and the Bible is not true, except, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me to do? If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those who are lost, the King James says, those who are lost, whose minds the God of this world has blinded. I was blinded one time. You were blinded one time. Thank God we're no longer blind. 
lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Watch this. Listen to what Paul says here. Then I'm going to go to one more passage, then I'm going to close. For we do not preach ourselves. Because Paul knew if he preached himself, there wouldn't be a great moving of the Holy Spirit. If Paul and Barnabas and, and the other apostles and disciples, if they preached themselves, there wouldn't be a great moving of the Holy Spirit. Because th they knew that in order for there to be a great moving of the Holy Spirit, they had to preach Jesus Christ. Because Jesus himself said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he shall glorify me. He shall not speak on his own, but he shall take that which he hears and that sh he shall reveal unto you. And he shall show you things to come. So any person who's preaching themselves, there's no, there's no great moving of the Holy Spirit because the, the, the Holy Spirit is grieved. The Holy Spirit moves when Jesus Christ is preached, when Jesus Christ is glorified, when Jesus Christ is the central theme of the gospel, when Jesus Christ is the central theme of the message. Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Our, ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Now listen to this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on one more passage, then I'm going to close. But listen to what Paul's going to say right here. He says, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He's talking about back in Genesis. In the beginning, was the, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was, was darkness and, and, and was void and formless. There was chaos. And, and the Spirit of God hovered over the, over, the, over the earth and over the waters and said, uh, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Paul said that same light from Genesis. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown. It is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. Listen to that. Let me say it one more time. It is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, hear that, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. One more time, then I'm going to, I'm going to use one more passage, and then I'm going to close. For it is the God who commanded the light He's, he, he goes back to Genesis. It is the God who commanded the light. To, it, you got saved because God commanded the light to shine out, out of darkness. The same light that shined out of darkness and saved you when you were lost in sin. God commanded that same light that goes back to Genesis 1, 1 and 2. That light shone in your heart. And the glory of Jesus Christ was revealed unto you. And you accepted it. You had to accept it. Because if you continued to walk in unbelief, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be saved. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But that, that passage of scripture, he says, if people are lost, it's because of unbelief. If people are lost, it's because of unbelief. Whose minds the God of this age, Satan, that liar. Satan is a liar. 
He's a liar. But he's got billions of people believing his lie. He's got billions of people believing that they can walk in their truth. You've heard people say that, walk in your truth. He's got billions of people believing that if they walk in their truth, everything will be okay. Oh, honey, walk in your truth. Your truth? Your truth? Your truth? It was our truth. It was walking in our truth that got us in trouble in the first place. Adam and Eve started walking in their truth. And the Bible says, you know, God said, uh-oh. <laughs> Adam, where are you? Oh, oh, God, the woman you gave me, you know, she, 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 she gave it to me and I ate. The woman, oh, the serpent deceived me and I did eat because they were walking in their truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Don't walk in your truth. Your truth is what got you in trouble. In the first, Your truth will get you in trouble every time. Walk in the truth of the gospel. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Your word, Lord. Your word, Lord. Not my word. Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when that scripture was written back in the, in the psalm, we didn't have the electricity that we have today. So people would have to put a lamp or a light in front of them to be able to see in order to walk at night. Your, your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. And the light into my path. Let me close with uh, 2 Timothy. Then we'll continue on Sunday. The Apostle Paul, once again, said in 2 Timothy, he's giving instructions to his protege, young preacher Timothy. And he says uh, to Timothy, he says, Timothy, he says, flee the evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, this is 2 Timothy 2.22. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't, be, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach. Not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed. In the hope that God will grant them repentance. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Now listen to this part that we're going to close. And that they will come to their senses. Remember I talked about the, the uh, Corinthians passage where it says, If our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine into them and they should be saved. Well, now Paul is instructing Timothy in that same veil. He says, hopefully these people that you instruct patiently and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Do you hear that? Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil.
and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Now, take that scripture and put it along with Ephesians 2 and 1 and 2. You have the quickened, you were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of the world. Of course, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the